You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Hey everyone, welcome to 128, based off of Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. My name is Derek. Uh, I am the lead pastor of Grace Point Church, a church in the Chicagoland area with multiple locations. This is a podcast where we interview spiritually mature Christians to learn more about their journey towards spiritual maturity, deconstruct it a little bit, and apply some insights that they've gleaned along the way to our own lives. I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation with John and Kathy Spina. And so without much further ado, let's get into it. Good, because that's how we roll. <laughs> well, that's how I roll too. And I started recording and uh, and want everybody to know that I'm here with John and Kathy Spina. Am I saying that right? Spina? Yes, you are. Yep. I want to say Spina yeah. every time, but it's not really Spina, is it? It's that's, Spina. that's the original pronunciation. Is it? Yeah. Is it European? But it's Italian. Italian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the Americanized is Spina. Do you happen to know which section of Italy? Uh, no. It doesn't matter <laughs> no. at all in this conversation. Uh, John and Kathy are incredible saints. They spiritually mature believers. Uh, they have a rich history together and a rich history with the Lord. And so uh, this podcast is all about kind of unpacking spiritual journeys, talking to spiritually mature people, and then gleaning some some tips and tools from your lives just mm-hmm. to uh, apply. Mm-hmm. And, and I know one of the, the great markers of spiritually mature people is just a desire to help others. Because when you've gone through kind of the gauntlet, what, what I mean by that is the immersive gauntlet, right? We're always growing. No one's perfect. Mm-hmm. But when you've gone through some pretty heavy phases of growth, there's this real desire to kind of go, let me help you through it. Like, don't suffer mm-hmm. through my pain, right? Um, but I, I just wanted to take some time to get to know you two a little bit better. And so, Kathy, let's start with you ladies first. Okay. <laughs> so you're an MK, and by MK, it's military kid. Yes, I did grow up. My dad was in the Coast Guard, so we moved about every two years. Um, I think I went to... 10 or 11 schools before I graduated high school. And you graduated in Virginia? Yes, in Newport News, Virginia. Newport News. Yep, went to Virginia Tech. Any siblings out of curiosity? I have a younger brother. He's four years younger, and he's still in Virginia. So you're the oldest of two? Correct. Mm -hmm. Got it. it. And so graduated from Newport News. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, were your parents believers? My mother was a believer, but my dad became a believer when I was a senior in high school. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting uh, story there. God was good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so growing up for the most time when I was there, uh, my parents were kind of lukewarm. But then once my dad became a believer, then he was on fire for the Lord. So it Isn't was it really amazing? a change. It's, it's amazing how mm-hmm. when the, the kind of the leader house mm-hmm. kind of says no this is where we're going right you know because it's difficult to have a divided house people mm-hmm. tend to walk around on eggshells mm-hmm. like this is what i guess we'll do would mm-hmm. you like to do that yeah now, out of curiosity 
Now, were you a believer when he became a follower? Yes, actually, I came to Christ uh, when I was 14. We were living in Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi? Yeah, <laughs> it was Corpus a great Christi place. Corpus Christi to Newport News? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what occurred. And there was a yeah. stop in between, I think, wasn't no, there? No, not that time. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you were so close. I yeah. was. So, uh, Corpus Christi, uh -huh. Texas, 14. What, yeah. what happened? Well, my mom, uh, as a believer, always knew that church was important. So whenever we moved somewhere, that was on the list of things to do was to find a local church um, and definitely Bible based. Um, so uh, we went to a church down the street and they had a it was a really small uh, independent Baptist church, but they were really good at the gospel mm -hmm. and they uh, really taught me to love the word. And so like. I'm sure you'd been in churches before then. Before yeah, I had grown up and gone to vacation Bible school. And what do you think made the difference at fourteen? I think at fourteen, I was able to understand that it was my sin that put Christ on the cross. It wasn't just sin in general. Um, so there was this personal conviction. Yeah, it's like you took personal responsibility for my own sin. For yeah. your own sin. Yeah. So I finally saw myself. In God's eyes. And then when, when you're a senior, so now you're a believer for three years, four years, something yeah. like that. And when you become a new believer, you start immediately looking around at the people you love. Mm -hmm. And you go, are they followers too? Mm -hmm. And so I imagine that was quite a few years of praying for your dad. And right. Your right dad from the beginning, I can remember praying with friends specifically for my dad. Um, when we moved to Virginia, though, I, I'd been a believer about a year, and we moved back to Virginia, okay. and I struggled through the last couple of years of high school because we never really connected with a good church. Mm. Um, so, so almost a little isolated. So your life has changed, but you're kind of afloat somewhat because right. there's no community, there's no service, but you know I need to be tied into God, and your mom was there Yes. Um, as well. Yeah. So you could relate to faith with your mom just a little bit. Yeah, I, I could. Um, I, I want to say it was a little more cultural Christian mm -hmm. than it was yeah. walking by faith. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I struggled with uh, wanting to belong and have friends and have fun, you know, in late high school. So there was a little bit of a bumpy road there. Um, it wasn't until college that I really uh, started walking with the Lord and uh, came in touch with crew. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I think of all the people who fall into kind of that early sand pit. Um, you know, they become a Christian, and then what happens is they kind of look around and they think, well, I can be a Christian, and I don't like have to be that Christian, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. like you know, mm -hmm. I can be a follower of Jesus, but I can be a cultural Christian. And in part, mm -hmm. some people do it while they go to church. They right. see the person who shouldn't be gossiping that does, mm -hmm. and they think, well, I guess this is just the way you do it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, And they kind of, truck along as it right. were, and they don't really grow as a result. Um, what was your dad's big hangup? What, what would he have said was really kind of this, the, the big barrier for him coming to faith? And then what finally changed it for him? I think it was the military culture, because at that time, he, uh, as an officer, he was expected to do the social thing, and there was a lot of social drinking and partying, and he wasn't a he wasn't an alcoholic. He didn't drink at home on a regular basis, but they were into like the party scene. and Oh, yeah. And the peer pressure the, yeah. to belong in the military, especially because there's already a sense of belonging. You've all gone through basic. You know the codes. You know the lingo. Mm -hmm. And um, and boy, the pressure then to, uh, in some ways, 
be like everyone else right. so that you can fit in, mm -hmm. right? Which is an odd thing because soldiers are miserable too, right? Like soldiers can be happy <laughs> and be miserable too. So it's, uh, but it is that thing. But it's like a club. club. Yeah. 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 You know, I was an MK. My dad was in the military oh, you as were. well. Okay. As well. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of how we got overseas. And, and mm -hmm. certainly it's how he met my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, he was first stationed in Dachau, Germany. Mm -hmm. He was in the army, an extra technician. And then he was stationed in Wiesbaden, mm -hmm. Germany. Okay. So you caught fire when you went to Blacksburg, Virginia for mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. So you're a VT girl, Virginia mm -hmm. Tech. Yep. <laughs> is it the, I'm a Hokie. A Hokie. Virginia Tech Hokies. Yes. What is a Hokie? Um, good question. Do I don't you, know. Do I have my an answer. No. <laughs> right. uh, we're actually the gobblers. The gobblers. <laughs> yes. The feared gobblers. I know. Doesn't that strike terror <laughs> in terror your heart? Terror in your hearts. We're about to play a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> yes. Be careful. Right. They're fearsome turkeys. Wow. Uh, I hope yeah. they win their Thanksgiving Day games. Just to John, what about you? Yeah. How did you grow up? Man? What, uh, what was your background? Yeah, I'm from the Chicago area originally, okay. and I grew up Roman Catholic. Okay. Yeah. So where in Chicago? I grew up in Lagrange. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Pretty not not to too far from here. Yeah. So my mom was Roman Catholic, but my dad wasn't, and okay. so we all had me, my two brothers, and I had to go to mass with Absolutely. my mom every Sunday until we got to a point where we were confirmed as Catholics. Yeah. And and their agreement, my parents' agreement with us was, once you get confirmed then you can make your own decision as to whether you want to continue in church or not. A lot of parents make that decision and they, uh, some do that in Protestant circles as well. Look, what we're here to do is give you some, a foundation. We want you to have a moral base. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the benefit of um, confirmation is there is a specific catechism that's involved with that right. a specific training. Right. And so now that you have all the information, decide what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And what was your experience uh, growing up? Then? Well, you know, I'd never heard the gospel, so I never understood what the gospel was. Uh, growing up Catholic, though, there were some some good things that that instilled in me. I, I had this this view of God as as being very huge and very large and very majestic mm. and very holy. And those were good things for me to learn. Yeah. I had no idea that I could have any kind of relationship with him other than to try to be a good kid. What an odd thing, you know, um, obviously there's some great Catholic Christians that are out there, but what an odd thing that in a Roman Catholic church to never hear the gospel. Yeah. And uh, it's just a very odd thing when that's the very basis that the church exists. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, so you go through confirmation and now yeah. it's your choice. And by the way, was your dad uh, an, an agnostic, an atheist? A no, Protestant, he wasn't. A, he what, what he was referred to himself as a Protestant, yeah. but he never went to church either. Okay. So... Yeah. Was it more how he was raised or what? Yeah, he was raised in a Protestant family. Got it. So I'm yeah. culturally Protestant. Yes. I'm culturally Catholic or religiously maybe Catholic. And and my kids are going to be Catholic up to a point where they can decide. Yeah. Early teens. Right? Yeah. Apparently he had to sign an agreement uh, when he married my mom that the kids would be raised Catholic. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just okay. found that out talking to one of my brothers a couple What's of weeks agreement? ago. With who? With, uh, he had to sign it with the church, I think, and with uh, with my mom. Oh, is that so that they could be married? Right, yeah. in the Catholic Church. In the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. yeah. Got it, I understand. Those are some long weddings. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to a lot of those uh, those wedding ceremonies. Those are some long uh, ceremonies. Yeah. So how old were you when you came out of uh, confirmation? Yeah, about 12 years old, about, about seventh 12? grade. Yeah. And what did you decide? Oh, I didn't want to go to church anymore. Are you kidding? Why? You, just, you went through all that work. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I couldn't wait to be done. I, right. It was boring to me. I didn't like it, even though it instilled some really good 
ideas of who God of what God was like. Yeah. I had no idea that there was any kind of relationship I could have. And church was boring and catechism was I didn't like it all. So So the benefit was you you walked away kind of knowing or believing that there was a God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's thank you for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's great to know and believe that there's a God, but what in the world does that have to do with real life? Yeah. Other than just acknowledging every now and again. And yeah. Then, and thought that if I was a, if I was a good enough person, that I would get to go to heaven, mm. but never knew if I was being good enough or not. Oh wow. Yeah. So just living with the uncertainty of that. Yeah. So what happens after high school? Yeah. So I get into high school and I'm, I'm an athlete in high school, but then I become a real party guy my last couple of years. What so were you an athlete then? I played uh, football and baseball. Okay. Wow. What was your position? Uh, I was a third baseman in baseball uh -huh. and I was a defensive back in football. Oh, wow. Okay. Two positions that require quite a bit of skill, third base skill. That's, that's no joke. Yeah. So, um, so was your plan to go into college on this uh, athletic scholarship? Or? I was, I was hoping so, but it never materialized to the point that I, you know, I had a couple offers to play baseball in college, but uh, being a proud young man, I didn't think they were good enough offers. So oh, got it. I just decided, you know, I'm going to go to college and study and have fun. Okay. So like a lot of high schoolers out there, partied in high school, uh, did athletics in high school, yeah. got through high school as best you could with as mm -hmm. best of grades as you could. You graduate mm -hmm. uh, and you go where? Yeah, I went to Western Illinois. Western Illinois. Yeah. To yeah. study what? Um, originally, I was going to study accounting. <laughs> Really? Yeah, and I got a D in accounting 101, well, and I said, this isn't for me. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> you right. know, so I originally, before I was called to ministry, I was going to be in uh, one of my goals. I had two goals. One was to either be a rock star. The other was to be an architect. And I took a <laughs> drafting class in high school and realized I hated drafting. And I thought, well, then I'm clearly not going to be a good architect. <laughs> Kathy, what did you study in Blacksburg? Um, management, housing, and family development is a part of the home economics department there. Wow, what a tremendous, that's a tremendous thing. Okay, so yeah. now you're in college, John, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, let's step back just a minute. While I'm in college, I have two older brothers. And okay, so, so you're one, one of three. Yeah. What order are you? I'm in? the youngest one. I'm the baby. The youngest and, and to this day, they don't let me forget that. Oh, that I, yeah. You're they're, breaking my heart a little bit. I have three sons. And I keep hoping they'll let Benjamin forget that he's the youngest. Oh, I, yeah. But that's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. So my brothers are really, really old now. And I'm still the <laughs> baby. <laughs> There's a benefit. There's a benefit. Years. That's exactly right. So, but uh, one of my brothers, the one that was three years older than me, that was the middle brother, was the one that I always wanted to be like. I yeah. idolized him. He was the great athlete. He's the only one that had a that was good enough to ever have the shot at playing professional sports. Oh, wow. He never got there, but he was the only one of the three of us that might have had that opportunity. In what sport? In baseball in particular. Okay. Yeah. So, but I wanted to be just like him. He was a great athlete. He was popular. He was good looking. He was, he was an early developer. So he was always this really muscular kid in high school and college. And then he goes away to college and comes back. And after a couple of years, tells me that he became a Christian. And I just thought, oh, no, are you kidding me? The guy that I idolized is now a Jesus freak. Oh. And and I would say to my friends uh, in high school, I said, you're not going to believe this. My brother is a Jesus freak now. And we all we would just shake our heads going, how could this have happened to him? What happened to all that potential? Right? Yeah, exactly. How did he go yeah. that way? Yeah. Isn't it funny how we never think it's a realization of potential, right? We yeah. always think it's like a diminishing of potential. Mm -hmm. But then you meet Jesus and it's like, oh, no, wait, it's yeah. actually a realization. Yeah. Right? So, so he started talking to me about the changes in his life and about the gospel and all that. And, and I thought, well, maybe there's something to this because I was seeing some really 
interesting changes in his life that were positive changes. Mm. And so he was um, encouraging me to read the Bible. And so I went to my mom one day, I'm senior in high school, and I go, hey, mom, do we have a Bible in the house? And she gets this puzzled look on her face and she goes, maybe somewhere, why? And I said, well, because I'd like to read it. And she goes, why in the world would you want to read the Bible? Wow. And I said, mom, I have no idea what's in it. And I think that would probably be pretty important for me to at least read through it. This is after going through all of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So my brother took me to a Christian bookstore and helped me find a New Testament in modern English. I still have it. J.B. Phillips, New Testament in mm -hmm. modern English, my first Bible. Sorry about I, that. I must man. have said something really good. No, no, my laptop <laughs> didn't for no reason at all. <laughs> it was the J.B. Phillips thing. That's yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I've got these messages coming up. And anyway, ignore the dinos. Yeah. Ignore the dinos. But, but anyway, during my senior year of high school, I read through the New Testament just on my own. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And by the way, I bet that was a big day for your brother to be able to take you. I mean, here he is a convert. Um, and by convert, I mean, his life has been totally upended with the reality of Jesus. Yeah. He clearly loves his brothers, but what a big day to be able to take you Bible shopping. Yeah. And it, here's the funny thing about that. That was, a, I remember it. It was very important to me. I was just with him a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago in Tennessee. And we talked about that story and he goes, Really? I don't even remember that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he didn't he didn't remember what a huge impact that had on my life. So um, we get to the end of my senior year and we go to this what they called was a baccalaureate service. It okay. was where it was a, a service for graduating seniors. And if you wanted to be part of it, you could. If you didn't want to go, you didn't have to. This particular year, it was put on by the Christian students in the high school that were uh, graduating. And so they very clearly explained the gospel. Many of them told their personal stories, how they Boy, came to you, faith in could Christ. Could you do that today? Not today, no. no. And they gave an invitation. And so right there in my high oh. school gym, my mom's sitting on my right side, my dad on my left side, I bowed my, set, my head and received Christ. Really? Yeah. So you went into college as a believer? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't a very mature believer at sure. that time. So I went that whole summer between senior year of high school and junior year, or, or freshman year of college with no follow-up, not really reading the Bible. So I got to my first year at uh, Western Illinois and still pretty wild, still party and still going to the bars and everything. Immature. Immature. But there was a Christian student on our floor and he used to call himself Pastor Sam. <laughs> and uh, he would do that just to let us know he was a Christian, but he'd kind of say it kind of tongue in cheek, you know. Right. But I remember one day he he would he started talking to us about this. And I said, yes, yeah, Sam, I've heard this. I, I agree with some of the stuff you're saying. And he invited me to a Bible study. And so I went to a Bible study with him and it was like, wow, this is, this is what I need. Was this also Campus Crusade for Christ? It was. was it navigators yeah. Or was yeah. So this was. first Bible study we went to, I think was through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Okay. Yeah. But then as I met other Christians my freshman year, uh, they were involved in crew, the Campus yeah. Crusade for Christ. And that's where God really gripped my heart oh, and began strange. to change me. So what we saw in my first year of college is we started with just a, two or three on our dorm floor that maybe were Christians. And by the end of that first year, almost 50% of the kids had, had come to Christ. Oh, my goodness. And it was just an incredible movement of God and uh, where it was just exciting to see him working. Just the boldness and the willingness mm -hmm. to speak out. Yeah. Kathy, you're at uh, Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. and you said that you got linked with the Campus Crusade for Christ as well. Yes. And uh, just for those listening to this podcast, we'll forever call it crew from now on. Just a short <laughs> But um, which is its official name now. But um, Campus Crusade for Christ was uh, founded by the Brights. Right, Bill right. Bright. Bill and, uh, 
incredible people. I, I would encourage anyone listening, if you love biographies, and I love biographies, mm -hmm. to go out and grab yourself a biography of the Brights. Mm -hmm. um, God just really used them powerfully. But Kathy, you got. How did you get hooked up with crew on your campus? Did someone find you? Did you yeah, find them? one of my next door neighbors um, took me to. They used to have Friday night meetings, open meetings for students, and so one of my next door neighbors uh, took me with her. Uh, she was a junior, and um, from that point on, I had never met other believers so committed to the Lord that were peers. Mm. You know, it was like always old people. <laughs> Right, right, the perception of church. Right. By the way, that's one of the things that surprised my wife. Mm -hmm. When she first went to church with me, she was like, oh, there's people my age here. She had no idea yeah. that it existed beyond, I don't know, call it 60 plus. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I think among my age group, it was more of a cultural thing. Because um, even though I was in the mil military family, uh, we grew up in the Bible Belt for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I just really didn't know people my own age, how it looked to be committed to the Lord. Wow. <laughs> that difference between saying you're something and being that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. To walk in obedience. And so now you've discovered a group mm -hmm. that was being the thing that they were saying. Right. Isn't that right. funny how powerful yeah. integrity is? Yeah. And just to, to sense the spirit of the Lord there, you know, mm -hmm. it was just amazing. And, um, that's really what gripped me is when I started to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that God didn't just save me to keep me from going to hell, but that he that he provided his spirit to help me get through each day. That as I presented myself to him on a daily basis in obedience and just walking in the Holy Spirit, yeah. just asking him to fill me, that it just it made all the difference in the world. That great paraclete, right? The great yeah. teacher. The, it's, it's funny because um, what happens is some people, when they come to faith, they become so familiar mm -hmm. with uh, churches and Christianity, they actually forget that there's a distinction mm -hmm. between people who follow Jesus and people who don't. Mm -hmm. And people who don't follow Jesus or people who are cultural Christians or are new in Christianity, they can really sense a difference if mm -hmm. you're following Christ. And what happens is after you've been following Christ for a while, you just assume that that's everybody's lens and you forget yeah. actually that you're far more distinct than you think you are mm -hmm. it's a little bit like um eating something and smelling but mm -hmm. your nose blinds sometimes to that smell yeah you know if you know what i mean yeah. by the way uh, they're working apparently someone's working on our church lawn here <laughs> so if the dings weren't enough, we want to make sure that we provide as much background noise to this podcast as we possibly can. All right, so you're both in college. Yeah. You're both tied in uh, to a, a group of believers that just loves God. You're passionate about God. Yeah. You wind up graduating, I assume, from college? Mm -hmm. Well, we met before that. Okay, you met before. So yeah. how did you meet? Yeah. So we, we both went on. Let me step back a little bit. Crew heads had and still has these summer projects. Okay. That people that are involved in crew can go on a summer project to spend more time in ministry and learning the word and meeting other believers in all of different parts of the country and different parts of the world. So we both went on the same summer project while we were still in college. Uh, we were we went to Colorado State University, which is where their uh, summer training was for their staff members. Where is that? Where's Colorado State? It's in Fort Collins. Okay, yeah, okay. Just yeah. in northern, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So we both went there. We worked child care for, for staff members that had really? children that needed their kids cared for while they were in classes. Just serving. Just serving. Well, mine also served as an internship that I needed to do for school. Okay. So that fulfilled the purpose. Was there for a dual me. purpose for you? Yes. Yeah, so academically. That's right. And then, and then part of the deal was we would work during the day and then we would be able to go to some classes at night as well. Okay. So we didn't know each other, obviously. I was at Western Illinois. She was at Virginia Tech but we both served on that same project. And a friend of mine who went with, with me to Colorado State that summer introduced us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love at first sight or take a while? No, it, it, took, a it, it, took, while. it took a while. She couldn't stand me at first. And, <laughs> no. You know, the interesting thing She's is- like, I kind of liked you. Yeah. Really. We had both come out of relationships. <laughs> okay. And so neither of us were interested in any kind of relationship yeah. other than just friendship. So let's be friends and serve God together. Mm -hmm. and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Boy, it really takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah. does. Right? You don't yeah. have to deal with uh, that other Game level playing. Of, yeah, <laughs> no really game not. playing. Really yeah. Truth, yeah. Right? yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so many people use uh, mission trips as a way of meeting. Right. Like it's mm -hmm. almost like the mission trip is, I'm going to go do a mission trip, but I'm really looking for a future husband uh, or wife. Yeah. Or I'm going to go to Bible school, mm -hmm. right? But the uh, reason I'm going is really to get married. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, boy, it makes life so much more complicated when you do it that way. Absolutely. If you just go for the reason you're going for and allow God to work out the rest, yeah, it's, it's amazing better. what God can do. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually didn't want any kind of relationship to happen. And that's what happened is we just became really good friends. We realized we enjoyed spending time together. And so we got to a point where we'd go out for these walks after we were done with our assignments for the evening. Sometimes just the two of us would go off for a walk on campus and just talk. Mm. And that became something that we did more and more. A nice high plains. Yeah. Yeah. In Colorado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that lasts the summer. That lasted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you go to your respective campuses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, junior years. Senior I'm actually a year older, so right, yeah. I was going back to my senior year. Okay. Yeah, and it would have been my junior year. Okay. Yeah. So now you go back to your respective campuses. Yeah. But you're still in touch. Now this yes. is, the, is this pre-internet? Oh, way pre-internet. Oh, pre <laughs> so you standing this in is really old school. Mm, well, we, I, we actually had a phone in our dorm room. Oh. But right. it was a party line. So we, <laughs> okay, we couldn't say, you know, really personal things to each other and not get made fun of. So, yeah. so you start calling each other. Yeah, and getting to know each other. Yeah, we, we wrote actually for two years oh, wow. and saw each other like once every six months for maybe a week at a time. At Our, what point does the penny drop, so to speak? That, it, was, it was before we left that summer after seeing each other. We knew that there was something really special between us. Wow. And um, You've been married how long now? 44, 44 years. years. <laughs> yeah, we were 10 when we got married. <laughs> wow, well, that is young. That is young. Yeah. Um, but I love so much about about that. When So you both graduate. Mm -hmm. And then where, by the way, where did you wind up getting married? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I actually graduated a year ahead and went on the crew staff at Virginia Tech, or I'm sorry, <laughs> they'd kill me for that yes, when they, they uh, wow. at, um, yeah, University of Virginia, just <laughs> down the road. <laughs> oh, you went, oh, you went to the enemy. She went I to did. UVA. Well, they, yeah. they, they knew Jesus. They did, they did, so, they really did. So, yeah. <laughs> so and I went that's there. That's the Cavaliers, right? Yeah, Very yep, <laughs> but it was our arch enemy, so. <laughs> but so you went to go uh, work with crew at uh, University, at University of, Virginia. of Virginia, right, for a year, and that was during my 
support raising time that we actually got engaged and he was a senior so <laughs> did you fly out to virginia to pop the question <laughs> i wanted to yeah. and i tried my best to do that and couldn't either come up with the money or come up with the time to do that so how i did it over the phone oh okay that's great yeah that's real romantic huh yeah well you know i think everyone makes a really big deal today Oh yeah. About that engagement. Yeah. yeah. People hiding bushes and there were things written in the sky and there's all yeah. and um honestly there's something really beautiful about it. I don't wanna I don't mm -hmm. wanna in any way disparage that effort. Mm -hmm. But um at the end of the day it's about the longevity of the marriage. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's not about yeah, how yeah. uh, over the top mm -hmm. the ceremony was or how lavish the engagement yeah. was. You know, one of my roommates in college uh, my senior, uh, who became a roommate in college my senior year, was on a uh, campus crusade or a crew project at Virginia Beach. And that was the summer that you had graduated, right? Mm -hmm. You had just graduated. Yes, I was raising support. This, this two-year relationship long distance was very, very difficult for okay. both of us. And so I actually flew out to break up with her. Oh, wow. And we got out there and started spending time with her. And I said, you know, thought to myself, this is the most incredible woman I've ever met. I can't break up with her. And so I actually drove back to Illinois. Oh, yeah, that's worth the flight. It was worth the flight. It's 100% worth the flight. Yeah, it was. So I drove back with my roommate who was going back to the Chicago area, you know, from uh, Virginia Beach that summer. And so that whole senior year then, my senior year, her first year on staff, we knew that there was, yeah, it was progressing to a point where, you know, I asked her to marry me. For some strange reason, she said yes. Yeah, she, it sounds like the feeling was very mutual. Yes. Okay, so uh, you decide she's the one. Yeah. And do you? Where do you marry? We married in Virginia. Okay, in Virginia. Yeah. In Port News. Uh, Portsmouth. In Portsmouth. Yeah. So here's a funny story. I had to take my. Uh, the only time we could get married was Memorial Day weekend. It's the only thing that worked out for us because. I had been accepted on crew staff and she was already on crew staff. So we needed to go back out to Colorado to start our training. Okay. So I ended up having to take my finals early my senior year so that we could go out and get married. turns out that the day I graduated from college was the day we got married. Oh, wow. so the day I got my bachelor's degree, I was no longer a bachelor. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What a nice like symmetry. There you that. go. Yeah. Plus, it's super easy for you now to remember when you got your bachelor's degree. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I don't remember any of those dates at all. Um, so you know, here you are, you're two growing believers, you're two really servant leaders and crew, and you're newly married. Mm -hmm. And um, we've all been around the block a little bit. And so that means we know of a lot of people who um, start in those years and really struggle, mm -hmm. you know, and some don't really come out of it unscathed. Mm -hmm. As you think back to that, did you guys want to go back to Colorado for your, that crew year? Did you, to serve together? How did that work? Where did you go next? And how did you navigate the, we're now together under Christ? What were there certain disciplines you had together or certain things you did that, were particularly helpful or where did life take you from there life was so great because we're finally together for the first time mm -hmm. and so we really didn't have a lot of those same struggles that i think a lot of younger or i shouldn't say younger people but a lot of people have when they've had a lot of time to spend together yeah 
So this is all new to us. We're, we're yeah. able to see each other every day, all day long. And it was that was exciting. You know, for some people, that's their version of torture. Honestly, right? So a lot of people who retire, and I think you just mm-hmm. recently retired. Yes. Right? Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're, he, he's around all the time or she's around all the time. <laughs> and go back to a job. But you found it uh, really refreshing. Yeah. Look, my wife and I have a podcast. And we just uh, did an episode on uh, kind of seeing other people's reactions to COVID. Mm -hmm. We have friends who have been married for a long time, but they're now for the first time having to wrestle with being together Uh 24-7. And that was something we had to wrestle with really fairly early in our marriage, about 10 years in. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we discovered was life got more interesting, not less interesting, Mm -hmm. that, that somehow... The people are like, what do we talk about? Uh, mm-hmm. We know what the other person's done in a day. Mm-hmm. But you're so interested in the other person's perspective. And mm-hmm. the fact that they can turn on a dime with you in conversations, mm-hmm. it just means it's never um, it's never boring mm-hmm. for us. So did you notice then that, you know, because you obviously have peers. Mm-hmm. Was it just that you were so focused on your own thing? that, uh, Or did you just think, wow, we got it really good in comparison? Or was it like... Uh, well, let's just keep following God in this thing. And mm-hmm. you follow him, I'll follow him. And was he a natural part of your conversations, by the way, as a young married couple? Was uh, it more ministry related or like, how did that work? One of the really good things about writing for two years is we knew each other's hearts mm. and what we were, what really was motivating us. And so I think we knew we had the same goals and the same perspective on life, which really helped before we ever got started. And some people never have those conversations, I think, until they're married. Yeah. And um Or they wait till premarital counseling and then right, you know, the pastor right. has to bring it up and they're like, if I can just make it through yeah. these assignments, then yeah. I can go get married, yeah. right? One of the things that, that really was helpful to us early on is we began to talk about getting married and then, you know, proposed. We have both said the most important person in our life is going to be Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the most important person in Kathy's life. Mm-hmm. She's I, she's not going to be the most important person in my life. We're going to be focused on him individually and together. Mm-hmm. And so we also, having said that, we also knew that we wanted to spend our lives in ministry together. And that's what our initial plan was. God, you know, took us down some different <laughs> paths in the meantime, but but that's how we started out. Mm-hmm. I think I erroneously, I, I made a mistake. <laughs> it was a good attempt at the word. I kind of sounded go. like Elmer Fudd <laughs> there for a second. Didn't yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> we didn't go back to Colorado after we got married. We actually went out to Southern California for our, for our training. To at, SoCal. Yeah, 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 at Arrowhead yeah. Springs in San Bernardino. Okay, wow. Now, is that where you met the Brights? Yes. Yes. Okay, and yeah. to meet them, I mean, Crew is a pretty big yeah organization yeah was it and it was it would have been fairly large even then it was mm-hmm. yes yeah so uh to meet the brights is a big deal, it was a how, big did deal. You, how did you meet them well because i was had already been on staff for a year i didn't go to the first year training but i had an assignment while we were in southern california and it was to coordinate um uh reception for new staff and some things which was being held at the Brights. They, they lived right on the grounds there at Arrowhead right. Springs. So I actually uh, met a lady who assisted them in their home and uh, kind of ran the household. And uh, so sitting at the kitchen table and Bonnette comes in and then Dr. Bright comes in and it, it was really cool. Yeah. Well, there was one, I think I told you this story before, uh, Derek, when we went together, but one day Kathy got in touch with me and said, hey, I'm alone in the house. When you're done with 
classes for the day. Why don't you just come over to the Bright's house? And I'm sitting in the, and she goes, I'm in the kitchen, just getting ready for the receptions. We can just sit and talk if you don't mind. Yeah. I said, no, that'd be great. <laughs> so I go over and there's just the two of us in the Bright's house. And all of a sudden, Bill Bright walks in the kitchen. And he yeah, stops yeah. and he goes, oh, hello, I'm Bill Bright. <laughs> I go, yeah, yes, I know you are. I know who you are. <laughs> but he yeah. sat down with us and talked with us for quite a while. Just genuine people. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. you know, that's a... Uh, their reputation and mm -hmm. everyone I've met that has met them has said they're actually just as genuine and sweet mm -hmm. behind yeah. the scenes as they are in front. And mm -hmm. yeah, I believe they both passed. But, yes, uh, yes, they have. Um, now, for our listeners, a lot of our listeners, you know, some may know the name of the Brights, um, others some may not. not. Mm -hmm. But it, to give you some context, it's like being in the kitchen and Billy Graham walks in, or it's like being in the kitchen and Robbie Zachariah walks mm -hmm. in, or um, Dawson Trotman, Dawson Trotman, John Stott, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like there's a there's a litany of people that you kind of go, wow, these are some Lauren Cunningham, right? Mm -hmm. There's some big names, and you you wonder, are they uh, genuine? Mm -hmm. I, I I was once at a conference in 2000 where I got to meet many of my spiritual heroes, the Billy Graham team, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Johnny, Erickson mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Tata, mm -hmm. Josh McDowell, mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. just as sweet and nice mm -hmm. and generous to a nobody there as anywhere else and the thing i loved about that is sometimes you know the people you look up to can disappoint you mm -hmm. but what you're really looking for is authenticity mm -hmm. you don't need them to be perfect right you just want them to be real and really in love with jesus mm -hmm. and um and i think that was clear so you were in southern california doing that mm -hmm. and a newly married couple mm -hmm. and so uh navigating life with jesus at the fore and also you're still you know each other, but you're still having to, you know, there's, you're still having to put lids on toothpaste caps right. and figure out which way the toilet paper roll is going to go mm -hmm. and kind of all of that That's stuff. still an ongoing discussion. <laughs> My wife and I sent each other diagrams about five years ago. <laughs> I would love to be able to say I won that particular multi-year debate, but I lost in a horrible, horrible blaze of glory. Um, she was like, see, clearly over is the way that this thing is supposed to go. Anyway. So, oh, you know, is that was that? See, why did the why? What, what is it? That women's is there a? Is, by the way, is there a, a code that women pass around? Yeah, there probably is somewhere. You know, proper story? etiquette. Uh, so, so you're in SoCal, and then where do you go from there? Well, then we came back to the Chicago area because okay. uh, I had to raise support. Okay. So Kathy had already raised support as a single staff person, and we needed to raise additional support you know, that once we were married. Yeah. So we were back at home at my No uh, small feet. No. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And during that time, my dad passed away. Oh. We had just gotten married. We just came back to start our support raising, and then he passed away. Now, just out of curiosity, did your dad ever wind up becoming a follower of Jesus? You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, my senior year uh, in college, I believe it was, I came home for, I believe I came home for Easter. And my dad knew I was going to church one day. There was a Bible church in LaGrange Bible Church. I decided I was going to go to that day. And he said, how about if I go with you? I said, Dad, that would be fantastic. And so we went, and the gospel was very clearly enunciated there at that, uh, that service. And as we were driving home, we were talking, and my dad said, John, I understood what they were saying, and, and I made that decision as a young boy. And I've been trying to live my life the way I think God wants me to ever since. Mm. 
So I, I don't know. So you know, he, left he, he didn't he, somewhat open. Yeah, he didn't live a life that you would think this person is a follower of Jesus yeah. Christ. But he was he was a good man, a nice man, yeah. you know, hard worker. It's so t- but, uh, you know, this is so important for people to hear. Man, listen, if you're a follower, be sure to let your fruit show. Mm-hmm. If you have the spirit, you know, the spirit develops that fruit in you, but don't make it ambiguous for the people around you to right. have them wonder mm-hmm. and and Remember, it's not it's not like going shopping. I once shopped for oranges, therefore I eat citrus. It's it's really a, it's a whole change. It's mm-hmm. like there's evidence of it. You're, you're you know to continue down this really bad analogy that I just spontaneously started on, <laughs> but it's like I I now go to uh, orange groves, and we take family trip to orange groves. Like oranges are now a part of our life, and I just think it, it's such a heartbreaking thing. I've been um, uh, at funerals of, of relatives who've passed where, you know, it was ambiguous, mm-hmm. um, in some cases at best. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just walk away with a sense of sadness. And mm-hmm. none of us, you know, we know by scripture what scripture says, but, um, but you know, at the end of the day, we go, okay, God, I'll find out for sure that you know. Yeah. yeah. So we do know that he heard the gospel clearly before he passed. Yeah. That's important. I, I want to touch on something else here because you you both brought it up, which is this idea of you know, Bible church and Bible and scripture mm-hmm. and the importance of scripture mm-hmm. uh, to growth. Because you're both growing as believers as well mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk in a little bit about kind of character change for you both and mm-hmm. what, what you felt like you had to really kind of work through. But can you talk to me about the importance of the, what role did scripture play? Or when you say Bible church, mm-hmm. why was that so key or did you figure out early on it was key or, or what did that actually do for you? Because some mm-hmm. people view it as something I have to read so that God thinks I'm good or I've got to like know the stories or there it sits on the shelf or I'll hear the pastor talk about a Bible. So mm-hmm. who needs that? Right? Yeah. Like, what role did that play for you? I'll just start out by saying the thing that drew us, one of the things that drew me to Grace Point was that the word is the filter. I like to say that all the time because you have to filter your life through the screen of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And um, basically um, it teaches us who God is, how he thinks. Um, It it increases the intimacy with him and it gives you a guideline of truth. Mm. You know, you have to have, you have to know the truth in order to walk in the right way. Yeah, in and, order to be set free, right? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And the verse says that you, um, where the spirit is, um, there also is freedom. Mm. And, you know, I just, the difference between walking with, uh, walking as a believer, not really knowing where my strength came from or what the guidelines were, uh, was very frustrating and hard. I felt like I was sitting on a fence for a long time as a teenager but then when i began to grasp the word and just it made me more hungry mm. to know god and to know him in a deeper way oh, fantastic really well expressed. yeah for me as a young christian when i got involved in bible study in college my freshman year it was amazing to me that i would read the bible i go wow this is fantastic and it was all new to me but it was very clear to me that god was communicating to me through my reading of his word mm. And so being involved in an organization like crew, like we were, they stressed very strongly the importance of spending time daily in the word. And they, they would refer to it as a quiet time. Yeah. And that's what we still call it in our 
So, yeah, I did too. so we both got into that habit, that discipline very, very early in our, uh, or at least early, adulthood, early yeah. adulthood. For me, it was as an early Christian, a young Christian, I got into that discipline very, very early. And, and it is a discipline. It is, yeah, it is, but it's it's something that we understand individually and together that it's if you don't spend time in the word regularly, and I mean really spend time asking God to speak to me, to teach me, to help me understand who it is that you are and, and who I am and what things I need to change to please you even more. If you don't do that, you're not going to grow as a believer. Yeah. And, and that's our goal is we want to, we want to be as much like Christ as we can and you know for in the time that we have left so oh, i love that what a what a beautiful goal i i hope anyone listening is really listens to that rewind it if you have to uh listen to the podcast again because that whole thing of our goal is to be as much like christ as we can that is a beautifully stated goal f- not only for the individual but for marriage mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's a great way to grow speaking of growth so your, your path your trajectory didn't take you to a full-time ministry of crew Right. It did for three, about three and a half years. Three and a half years. Yeah. Okay. And where was your primary? It, it was back in Southern California. In SoCal. So we worked with their athletic branch, Athletes in Action. Yeah. And even though I was not an athlete in college anymore, I spent a lot of time with athletes and Christian athletes in particular. Yeah. And then our goal, our, our thought was when we would get married and go on staff together, that we'd probably go on their campus staff. But when we were out in Southern California during our training and they were presenting the different options available, I kept getting drawn more to the athletic ministry. And as we talked about it, that we both felt that's, I think, where God wants us at this point. Yeah. See, we're with Athletes in Actions for about three years. Three yeah, years. about three and a half we years. We have kids at this point? It, that did happen kids? fairly quickly, yes. <laughs> so how many kids? We have two daughters. Two daughters. Mm-hmm. Wow. And our oldest was born in Southern California. Really? Garden yeah. Grove. Garden Grove. Garden Grove. My sister was born in Riverside. Oh, oh okay. So my dad was born in Whittier. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, so two daughters. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, are they in the area? or where uh, One is in the area and one is in Southern California. Is in SoCal? Yeah. yeah. So she's the one Cali. that was born there is now back. A Cali here. girl. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so three and a half years in SoCal, mm-hmm. and then from there to where? Came back to Chicago. Chicago. To do yeah. what? Well, oh, go ahead. No. Now, we weren't sure. We, we left uh, campus crusade or crew staff because we really sensed that God was leading us into some other type of full-time ministry. Mm. And the best we could discern from the Lord was it was a ministry to what was then communist countries. And mm. we just had this very strong sense of leading that way. The good news about being in Southern California at the time was there were a number of ministries that were dedicated to reaching out to uh, Soviet bloc countries with the gospel. And so we thought, surely one of these is going to be where God wants us. And we contacted and talked with every one of them that we could find. And we just couldn't find a good fit for us. And so, you know, we had to make a choice. Do we do we stay on crew staff until we find this other ministry? Or do we leave staff and do something else until we can find what it is that God wants us to do? I think I know I did. And I think we both felt that it almost wasn't fair to our financial supporters to stay on crew staffs with the attitude of, we don't think we're going to stay with crew anymore. We're looking for a different ministry. And and I just felt that that wasn't fair. You guys are mid mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. We just felt that's not fair to ask them to keep supporting us financially when we're kind of in this in between. Yeah, exactly. So we, we left, we came back to Chicago 
um, trying to figure this all out and see what the Lord may have for us. And what did the Lord have for you? Well, we both went to work. Uh, I actually took a position. I accepted a position with an organization that was based here in the Chicago area that was, it was called Evangelism to Communist Lands. Okay. And so I was going to be their representative in the Midwest. And um, I went and met with the, who was our pastor at the time. And our girls were both young. And we were talking and I was telling him about the ministry and how excited I was about it. And he made this one comment. And he said, you know, John, that sounds exciting, and I'll help you any way that I can. Your girls are pretty young for you to be gone a lot. Yeah. And, and if you haven't thought that through, you know, I, I'd encourage you to do so. And that's all, he, that's all he said to me, and he said it in love. And, and, and it would have required that I took a job and put our kids in daycare. So, and that, but God really convicted me about that. Yeah. And what we realized is that I so much wanted what I thought God was leading us to that I was willing to jump ahead of where he was. Mm -hmm. And he, and he being God used our pastor to let us understand that. So I had to go back to the organization and say, I made a, I made a snap decision and I didn't think it through and I've got to decline this. So, so then what? So then uh, we worked different jobs for a while, just trying to figure out what God would have with us. We got involved in our local churches and served in our local churches and then got to a point finally where I said, you know, Lord, if, if there's nothing here for us right now, as far as full-time work, I need to do something that I can make a living at and that I'm ex- excited about. So it's helpful if you have to eat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's when I got into And I the, did stay home. <laughs> and, and I got into the fitness industry. And okay. I spent about 20 years in the fitness industry, working, managing health clubs and selling wow. fitness equipment, doing personal training, that type of thing. Jacqueline. Yeah, it's a industry to be in. Yeah, it's a thriving industry right now. It is. Yeah, and then it was at that time in the church that we were involved in in Bolingbrook that um, uh, we were. uh, I I was an elder in, and we were serving in. uh, Challenged us to come and be part of their staff. Okay. So we went on the staff there, or I went on the staff there, and I was there for 13 years on staff. Full time? Full time. Yeah, full time. Yeah, and was able to go to seminary while I was there. So, where did you go to seminary? Went to Reformed Theological Seminary. Yeah. So 13 years on staff in yeah. the area of? Bolingbrook. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was assistant pastor. So I had many roles there in those 13 years. I started out as adult ministries. Yeah. Uh, then I moved into uh, just uh, associate pastor. Then for a short period of time, I had to serve as an executive pastor. Wow. Pastor of discipleship was one of my things. So in those 13 years, you know, I had to change roles a number of times. Was it odd for you guys to suddenly you're going from the fitness industry and there's this nine to five thing. Nine to five is obviously not nine to five. But, you right. know, it's, a, yeah. it's a routine and ministry is just a very different. Different animal. animal. It really is. It's, it's yeah. um, you're, you're, you're home, but in some, in some cases you're not necessarily home right. you know right. um and you're on call a lot which is yeah. why mm-hmm. you know a lot of pastors on vacations they have to get out of town right. in order to, to right. kind of find a mm-hmm. break so how was that for you guys how was it for your daughters mm-hmm. well uh by the time that actually happened our daughters were already out of the house mm-hmm. um so they're married and have their own families now um but uh it was probably weird for them to think of their dad as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you preach? I did some. some, yeah, about once a month usually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I worked full time for a school district. And let me just interrupt yeah. you for a second. Speaking of preaching, in uh, in the town where we are in Bolingbrook, uh, the uh, local Bolingbrook TV station would tape our sermons. And, and put them on the air in Bolingbrook. Oh, so you're a televangelist. You're yes. <laughs> and so but the funny thing is my daughter's friends would call her and say, hey, we just saw your dad preaching on TV. And they uh, thought that was the funniest thing. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and so you went to go to work for the school district. Is it, that right, Kevin? Right, when the girls were young. Um, the Bolingbrook so School District? Or, uh, I started there and then ended up in Westmont. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, so, yeah. That's tremendous. And just wrapped up. Yes, just, I just, right, just yeah, I've worked 31 years as, in school districts. So, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you both look back, because you have um, uh, such a wealth of experience and maturity and insight, and you've just been following Jesus a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, following him through girls young, girls in junior mm-hmm. high, girls yes. in high school, mm-hmm. following through ministry situations, which can be a little bit tricky and mm-hmm. difficult, mm-hmm. praying through all kinds of ups and downs. Um, when you look back at your own journey, you know, was there a, a moment where you felt felt like, okay, that was a character thing. That was like a pivotal moment in my life mm-hmm. where God made a character shift in me. And yes, I have other character things that I'm working on, mm-hmm. but it was um, a mark. It was a line in the sand for me in terms of spiritual growth. Suddenly I was on the opposite side of, kind of this big process and now i'm still in process but it's not mm-hmm. what that was i'm trying to describe it's difficult mm-hmm. to describe but i think you know what i'm talking about yeah what what would you say that was for you what, what was it inside of you that you felt like god you've mentioned uh kind of what the pastor said it seemed like that was a pretty seismic mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. private was moment of, yeah. am i willing to lay this down mm-hmm. for that yeah um would you say that was the moment for you, John? That, w- that was a big one. I think one of the biggest things in my life was as a young believer, still in college, one of the things that crew attempted to do at that time was speak to as many students as they could on campus as possible. And so we would look for opportunities to go into dorms and talk to dorm floors at their dorm meetings. We'd look for opportunities to talk to athletic teams. And we'd look for opportunities to go into um, sororities and fraternities. I sensed that God wanted me to contact this one fraternity mm. and I was scared to do that. And so there was one day that I just sensed that God was saying, I want you to go to this fraternity and knock on the door and ask them for the opportunity to come in and talk to them as, as a group. So I walked off campus. I knew where the fraternity house was. I walked up to the fraternity house and I walked right by it and I was scared and I was praying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm scared. Help me. I walked around the block. I walked up to the fraternity house again, walked right by it again, went all the way around. I did that three times until I finally got up the nerve to go and knock on the door of the fraternity house. Mm. I was so thankful nobody opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that moment. It, that's what it was. It was it's obedience. It was, mm-hmm. it was, I knew God wanted me to obey him. I was scared. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. It's so funny. I love the ending of that story because I was expecting the rest swing the door open and there they were. There's a great story, to say right? That that nobody was home, but but the reason I love that is it. What happens after that mm-hmm. is really up to God. Sometimes mm-hmm. what God wants you to do is just to get up and 
be obedient yeah. right. to whatever it is. And it sounds like that. This is one of those moments for Absolutely. you where God said, "Okay, are you really willing to do whatever?" Yeah. Now, what's interesting is I finally met a guy that I went to high school with that was in that fraternity house, and I started talking to him. We actually got a Bible study set up in there, and a couple oh, of people strong. came to faith. But that was a real turning point in my life. Was mm -hmm. am I willing to obey God or not? Mm. Kathy, how about you? I was trying to think. Um, I think um, I struggled a little bit when we left crew uh, with not being in a ministry mm -hmm. uh, capacity because I had always thought that I had imagined our lives together would be constant ministry. And and um, I think when I finally came to grips with is God's plan, not our plan, because we talk about, you know, our goals and what's your 10 year plan and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and all of that. When I finally learned to just kind of lay my expectations at his feet oh. and just say, whatever your plan is. Well, that's so well expressed again, just really well expressed. And that sounds like it's a conversation, but mm -hmm. that internal struggle. Oh, it's real. <laughs> it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and that's not the only time I've gone through that. Right. <laughs> over and over. And over. Yeah. There is something, but the difference is you know what the outcome is when you do it the first time. Right. But that, that, that initial battle mm -hmm. of, am I willing to lay down what I expect mm -hmm. uh, and just say, God, it's yours. And it's funny because we all self-talk. Like, yes, whatever God wants. Right. <laughs> but you start to get... When you get into the inner world a little bit, you start to discover in some ways that there were strongholds there that you didn't know mm -hmm. were existed. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, where did, where did these giants come from? But you realize that they're a part of you. Mm -hmm. and in some ways, God just wants to really begin to, he's reworking you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. He's mm -hmm. you, you know, it's been yeah. interesting. One of the other turning points in my life was when uh, we made a decision that I would resign from my position as a pastor. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest decisions that mm, I think we've ever yes. made. And it was very difficult. Um, but now that we're in this area of life where we're retired, um, I've been spending a lot of time and we have been praying, Lord, what is it that you want us to do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I realized, though, is, is my prayer needed to change. Mm. And it's, Lord, who do you want me to be? Oh. Who do you want us to be? What changes need to be made in our own lives? And so we still want to do things ministry-wise. That's what we want the rest of our lives to be. And we're hoping the Lord has more. <laughs> yes. But we know it's important to be the people he wants us to be before we can do the things that he wants us to do. Well, it sounds like a part of the process is also God was, you know, he's spending that month of July kind mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. being able to kind of figure out where the pieces were mm -hmm. so that you can have a better sense of the horizon. Ahead. Start to mm -hmm. move ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for... Mm -hmm for the conversation. I have so enjoyed this. You, you, honestly, the, listeners, there's so many incredible truths and principles in this conversation. And um, one of the things that I've noticed is that spiritually mature people just, they never phone it in. You know, there's, there's, an, there's a constant longing to finish life well. We are both relatively young, so there's a lot of life left to live. I hope so. And <laughs> A lot of kingdom, yeah, a lot of kingdom horizons to continue to expand. Thank you both so much. You're, You're welcome. welcome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John and Kathy. Great people with some great principles to apply to our own lives. Uh, uh, listen, do me a favor. 
recommend this podcast to a friend uh, next to you and uh, so that we can encourage them to continue growing in faith. Until next time, keep growing.